Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Just for the day I won't pick up. Just for the day I don't give up. Just for the day I won't pick up. And God, I trust I won't pick up. Just for the day I won't pick up. Just for the day in God, I trust. Just for the day I won't pick up. And God, I trust I don't give up. Yeah. You can go and tell the wee man. He ain't got nothing that I need, man. I ride by that ABC store saying, hey, you won't be seeing me no more. Yo, you can go and tell the trap board. Yo, it's a rap board. You are not welcome in me, Gaza. You ain't got nothing for me, nada. No matter how hard life hits, I know where my life is. Yo, no matter how hard the crisis. Yo, I know who Christ is. Yo, no matter what, I won't pick up. Yo, no matter what, I won't pick up. No matter what, I won't pick up. Yeah, no matter what, I won't pick up. Just for the day. No matter what, I won't pick up. Welcome, listeners. To the recovery just for today's show. I'm your host, Lloyd B., with my co host and father, Lloyd Sr., and we are the show that is dedicated to those who are in recovery and those who are maybe still struggling with addiction. We share our experience, strength, and hope. And this is season three, and um, we have been. Um, we have a, a theme that we've been uh, going about uh, going over this, this season. And for this season, we have been talking about the Celebrate Recovery program, which is a Christian-based approach to recovery. And so if you are just tuning in for the first time and you were expecting something different, what I would like to say is just continue to tune in because you may find something that hear something that you need to hear tonight. And that's my prayer. And I know that's my father's prayer as well. Uh, Lloyd senior, did you want to say something to the listeners? Yes. Um, as always, I'm extremely grateful uh, to be able to, to share something that may be a, a help to someone today. Uh, um, especially, uh, today, in light of what happened down in uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas, um, I want—I don't want to say you know try to get political and thing like that, but you know, um, you know, we need help today, and 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 any anything and anybody who has anything that you know that can be positive today and be helpful today for us, uh, we uh, we need that. So um, so I'm just grateful to be able to be able. <laughs> to uh, be here tonight and to share uh, my little piece to the puzzle of uh, of happy living. Yes, and now, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. 
Um, and I and I touch and agree with that. Um, what my father is saying, and we definitely our hearts and the hearts go out and prayers go out for those in Texas today uh, suffering after such a devastating event. And um, you know, like my father said, one of the reasons why we do what we do is to hopefully help someone. You know. And uh, we want to be part of the solution, and that's what we're focusing on this particular season, is focusing on the solution. And um, but before we get into this 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 episode, what I want to do is we want to have a moment of silence, as we always do, for the sick and the, the sick and suffering addict that's still suffering out there, who hasn't come to the and uh, began the process of recovery, you know, and also for those who have lost their lives to addiction and also to the family members of those who have lost loved ones uh, to this addiction. And and as well, we want to have a moment of silence for the family members of those who, um, in in the aftermath of this shooting in, in Texas, are trying to, to grieve. And, and in their moment of bereavement, we want to have a moment of silence for them as well. So if you would, have a moment of silence to follow by the serenity prayer. Grant us serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. It's a powerful prayer, powerful prayer, the serenity prayer is we touched on it in times past, and we may touch on it again sometime soon, but, you know, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And, you know, we've been talking about focusing on the solution, getting into the solution this season. That's our thing, getting into the solution. You know, we want to move from being part of the problem into getting into being part of the solution or getting into the solution. And so that's what we're talking about. Last week we we went over the second step in the Celebrate Recovery, the second principle, I say, in the Celebrate Recovery program or the Celebrate Recovery model. and we were talking about, you know, realizing that we need a power greater than ourselves, a higher power, a higher power who will provide us the strength, acceptance, new life, integrity, and trust to allow us to make sane decisions based on his truth. And we were talking about how sanity, how sanity um, you know, we broke down the word, and we were going over the the um, the letters of each of each of the uh, of the word of, of sanity, and um, so we we covered uh, strength, acceptance, and new life um, last week, and uh, we ended on new life, and we were talking about how that in recovery we have the hope of a new life, you know, and and, and freedom from our bondage from addiction. And that was, you know, where we ended at. 
and you know that was powerful and and i want to i want to carry on with the 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 last few pieces but um you know i found a i found a clip that i wanted to play that i thought was fitting and um so you know what i want to do is i'm going to go ahead and play this clip and then um you know afterwards me and my father will come back and we'll you know we'll kind of discuss a little bit about it this is it's a it's a fairly lengthy clip so you know guys just uh tune in and check it out i think it'll bless you and um so just check this check this clip out and we'll be we'll be right back with you after after this uh particular clip Build a wall behind me, separate me from my past. Keep me facing forward, let me find things that will last. Build a wall behind me, so I'll have nowhere to run. Maybe I'll press onward until the fighting is all done. Build a wall behind me, I'll not refuse this cornerstone. To him I'm moving toward and I won't be left alone. Build a wall before me, so I'll have something to climb. After all that I've been through, I won't be turning back this time. Build a wall beside me so I'll have somewhere I can lean. In a world that is so dirty, it was you that made me clean. Tear down these walls around me, for now I can finally see. The chains that held me then are broken, all because Jesus set me free. And uh, you guys might think you're here for me. I probably think I'm here for you, but in some way, shape, or form, we're here for God and what He wants, and I know that part of what He wants is for us to be here together, so. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who celebrates recovery from a lifetime of addictions and a concurrent succession of poor decisions. My name is Andrew. I was born in Claremore and grew up in one of those normal American middle-class Christian families. My parents worked hard and went to church. As normal as my early life was, my childhood was a veritable medical nightmare. To summarize, I was frequently hospitalized with asthma. I was also diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. I was involved in a multitude of car wrecks. I suffered broken bones, had various surgeries, and was consistently given prescriptions and pills. All this before I had a chance to make it out of elementary school. At a certain age, I was given freedom to make my own decisions and to seek my own experience in life. Despite logical warnings and sound advice, I focused solely on selfish living, which later formed an excess's best lifestyle. At the age of 12, I began to both smoke marijuana and abuse prescription pain pills. And this was around the time I had my first altercation with authority. After getting drunk at a dealer's house, I passed out on the way home and I woke up with a bad case of community service and my first set of court dates. That didn't slow me down. About a week later, when I was celebrating my 13th birthday, I drank a little too much whiskey and woke up with a new handful of charges and more community service. That's when I found myself in my very first secular 12-step program. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. <laughs> Looking back, I can see that God was there somewhere during every step of my journey. The first time I was signed community service, they had me working at a church. This was where I first heard someone quote Colossians 3.23 to me. He said, work willingly at whatever you do, 
as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And that wasn't going to be the last time I've heard that verse. I completed my hours there, and I did my job, and I excelled at it. And this was the first time I ever felt like I was doing something right. But when that was over, I went right back to doing whatever I wanted to do. I did my first line of meth when I was about 13 in an old Winnebago RV that I was living in at the time. My friends and I made a pact that we would only snort it. Later on, we started smoking it, and we promised we'd never use a needle. I think there's only one of us that remained resolute concerning that last amendment to our oath. The rest of us finally gave in and tied off. Even so, I was making the worst choice of my life thus far, and uh, God was there. He was reaching out for me, yet time and time again I find myself pushing away the hands that were pierced for me. Not only was God there for me, but my family never gave up on me either. They never stopped loving me no matter what I'd put them through for the sake of my own indulgence. Especially my mom, the most godly woman I've ever met. My mom had compassion like none I've ever seen. She was always opening her home to my friends and other strays. She worked as a nurse, working in hospices and clinics, and she cared for AIDS patients and held the hands of the elderly in their final earthly moments. She volunteered her time with American Red Cross, going on disaster relief trips. She was a living beacon of God's light. But then my mom got hurt, and my perception of God was changed. She fell at work and broke her back, leading to an unsuccessful surgery that left her living in a recliner, unable to get around without excruciating pain. I began to question, to doubt, and finally despise. My thought was, if God would do this to one of his servants, then there's... He's no God of mine. Still through it all, she's never lost her faith and she never blamed God. I have blamed God for all this and bitterness and unforgiveness had poisoned my heart and mind. Not only did I blame God, but I hated Him. My hate for God spread to hate for the Christians and for the church itself. I developed such an aversion to Christianity that I tried everything I could to convince myself that God didn't even exist. I delved deeper into drug-addled lifestyle and just no matter what intoxicating hobby I'd stumble into, my drug of choice remained the same. Opiates combined with marijuana. To support my habits, I stole, manipulated, forged, lied, cheated, stole some more, and eventually got involved with manufacturing methamphetamine. In the years following, we cooked dope using a variety of different methods. The paranoia, along with the increasing narcotic abuse, made my life a living hell. I later overdosed a couple times. My first OD happened on September 21st, 2007. I was brought back in the same hospital I was born in 20 years previously. Still, God showed up for me then in some amazing ways that I won't go into right now for the sake of time limits. I was arrested a few times, but my first big one came in January 2010. Remember that Winnebago RV I talked about earlier? Uh, that same RV was the main focal point of a major meth lab bust. I found myself incarcerated in Rogers County Jail looking at a possibility of 25 years. It was at this time that I prayed to God that I, that I wasn't even sure existed. I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure my prayer was something along the lines of, if you're real, get me out of this. 
A month later, the majority of my charges, including the felonies, were dropped, and I was released on probation. I was free, but I wasn't. I went right back to doing what I was doing. But while I was in Marypod, one of the other inmates asked me a question that never left my mind. He asked me, uh, are you done getting high? I didn't realize that was possible. I thought I was doomed to live and die in addiction. I thought my path was chosen and it was to be carried out like a bullet's trajectory without divergence toward a bitter end. So I started praying a different prayer. God, if you're real, then make me not want it. I want to not want it. That prayer worked, but it wasn't easy. My tolerance to every substance skyrocketed. My habits got more and more expensive. The opiate withdrawal got worse and worse. I didn't recognize it as the beginning stages of an answered prayer. I resisted it as much as possible. After a list of suicide attempts and further arrests, I found myself with a sincere desire to be sober. In 2011, during a vacation at Rogers County Jail, I began seriously studying the Bible, taking apart scripture, immersing myself in theological studies, and pursuing recovery and even reading the Narcotics Anonymous Handbook. I asked the guard if N.A. ever came to jail, and his response was, yeah, they haven't been in here in a really long time. I'll see what I can do. During that four-month stay, I picked up a Celebrate Recovery Bible for the first time. It belonged to a good friend of mine, and it was well used. He had no cover, and half of the devotional in the back was missing. I read a couple of the testimonies and lessons, and from then on, I knew two things. That CR is definitely for me, and I really wanted one of these Bibles. A few weeks later, the guard that I'd spoken to came into the pod and announced, N.A., anybody for N.A.? I scrambled off my bunk and headed for the door. I was the tenth one in line, but they were only allowing nine people to go. I was absolutely dejected. About the time I turned and walked back to my bunk, uh, someone in the line threw up his hands and said, I'm not going. There was God working one of those impossible coincidences. I got to the meeting, what I thought was going to be N.A., and I was met by Tracy Morgan and a few of the Celebrate Recovery leaders and an armload of Bibles. There were two CR Bibles and seven The Key New Testaments. I had my eye on one of these Celebrate Recovery Bibles, but they were already claimed before they ever hit the table. I then participated in my first Celebrate Recovery small group ever. I even shared. A lot of firsts that night. <laughs> kind of like tonight. After it was over, I told Tracy that I was gonna come out I was gonna come find him when I got out. I don't know if he felt threatened by that or not, but it is what it is. <laughs> when we got back to K Pod, I asked someone about their C R Bible. He said he was gonna use it, which is cool. Someone else asked about the other one, so the guy who had it tried to sell it to him for the twenty five dollar price printed on above the barcode on the back. This infuriated some people, but uh it was his property. He can do what he wants. This happened on December 21st, 2011. Little did I know that over a period of three days, a group of the other inmates pulled, pulled together enough soups, cookies, and honey buns and bought that Bible from him. And they gave it to me on Christmas Eve. And it was the best Christmas I've ever had. I was released just before my birthday in fe February of 2012 with honest intentions of being sober. Then I relapsed hard. I had forgotten that it was through God's strength that I would have remained sober. 
I began to take the credit, thus forming an illusion of control. I thought that since I quit on my own, then I could control any future indulgence, and I was, I was so wrong. My years spent in addiction took me to places I never wished to revisit. I suffered through opiate withdrawals over 300 times in my life, and if that's not the definition of insanity, then I don't know what is. While I was living in rebellion to God, I experienced a life that definitely wasn't what God had originally intended for us. I saw things that nobody should see. I lost friends to murder, suicide, and overdose. I saw relationships torn apart, and I watched parts of my family slowly fade away. I sank to the lowest, de lowest depths of depravity and desperation, and for what? Just a feeding fleeting feeling of earthly bliss that would soon be followed by another agonizing hell of insufficiency. I repeatedly experienced those rock-bottom moments. I learned that rock-bottom isn't a narrow hole in the ground. It's not some pit consisting of steep walls and stony depths. Rock-bottom is a wide, populated place with streets and buildings. Homes are built in rock-bottom and people live there. We get comfortable and we f never feel like leaving. We develop the idea that rock bottom is that little town that we belong to and that we'll never escape, so we abandon all hope and consign ourselves to an existence of misery. We feel like we deserve no better, so complacency creeps in and consumes us. We become accustomed to living life in rock bottom, dwelling in darkness while craving the light. <clears throat> I just wanted it all to end, and I tried to end it all my, by myself on multiple occasions. I repeatedly had more than I can take, and I lived in a constant state of panic, broken up by short times of drug-induced relief. One of my most desperate moments that I'll never forget is the day that I ate the same handful of pills twice because I couldn't keep them down the first time. I couldn't stand the life that I built for myself, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. But then there was Jesus. And in a moment of surreal divine intervention, during one of my most desperate hours, I met Jesus in such a real way that although I can see and feel all that's around me, this world may not even exist compared to Jesus. In all my years of seeking a better high, I've never felt anything so incredible as I did that day I turned it all over to him. I wholeheartedly believe that I was allowed to experience what it felt like to be in the presence of God and I realized that no drug, alcohol, or relationship in this world could ever come close to recreating it. That was the week I got sober. And on March 30th of 2014, I came up out of the withdrawals for the last time. And that's the day that I've marked as my true sobriety date. <clears throat> I started attending church, but I couldn't get enough. My entire life became focused on serving the one who saved me. I was baptized on May 7th at a small Baptist church where I was going to at the time. And one day I saw a Claremore Progress article that featured Tracy Morgan, a bit of his testimony and a date and time for Celebrate Recovery. And on June 23rd, 2014, I walked in through the doors of Cedar Point Church for the first time. I just pretty much never left. <laughs> in the months to come, my story was forever changed. I signed up for the first 12-step study that came my way. On February 12, 2015, we came together around a large table in a small room, and I started on one of the most introspective and meaningful journeys of my life. In that room, those guys I didn't know very well at first 
quickly became family. It was in this group where I met Rick Smith. He's back down the media booth somewhere. Who asked me if I would be interested in running visual media on Saturdays. To this day, I run the slides for the Saturday services. He also invited me to attend the life group on Sunday evenings. I went, and I still do. Rick and I were always hanging out together, and our stories were kind of similar in certain respects, so it only made sense for him to be my sponsor. So as of July 5th, 2015, he was. He still is. (laughs) He was also instrumental in getting the job that I have now doing setup for Cedar Point Church. It's my first real legal job in, in over a decade. Setup work totally utilizes my OCD in a way that it turns some of my flaws into my greatest strengths. I'm grateful to be able to put some of my unique skills to work. I'm beyond blessed to be able to serve God and others in some amazing ways, all the while seeing Him restore my life little by little. I found a forever family that I never expected, and I learned what it was like to be appreciated and truly wanted. In a remarkable display of the love of God, Tracy and Shannon believed in me when I had no reason to believe in myself. They made me a leader in celebrate recovery, which is an incredible vote of confidence in me. They saw in me a leader that I was absolutely certain didn't exist. It was a trust and responsibility that I've rarely encountered in the past. One day I was approached with a volunteer application for jail ministry. I was gently nudged into filling it out as fast as possible. I didn't have time to think or pray about it. Honestly, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go back in. I panicked a little. I even wrote every possible reason why I shouldn't be allowed to volunteer on this application in hopes that it would get rejected. I told them about all my case files under both of my names and listed aliases. I included the fact that I was still paying fines. Even after the application was turned in, I began to pray, God, if this isn't your will, please let that application be lost or rejected or destroyed. And, but if it is your will, please let that application get lost, rejected, or destroyed. You can imagine my surprise when I got the news that all of us were accepted. On October 15th of 2015, Inmate 159013 walked back into Rogers County Jail, the very place that I called my second home, except this time I was carrying my own stack of Silver Recovery Bibles. Like Tracy Morgan did for me in 2011, I was now doing for others who are now where I have been. Now I'm, I'm part of an amazing team for Silver Recovery Inside, and I'm in a position to let others know that hope is real and freedom is possible. I had once claimed, I'm not an addict, I'm just an intoxicant enthusiast. (laughs) Then I admitted that I was an addict and that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. I've been told, once an addict, always an addict. Now I know the truth. We can be changed. By laying all my life and everything in it at the feet of Jesus, past, present, and future, I have learned what it means to be a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17.
Every day of my life, I thank our Father for seeing something desirable in my worthlessness. He left behind a perfectly fine 99 to seek this one lost sheep. I'm not special in any way. I just answered a call. I was beyond hope, utterly despicable, and so lost even Google couldn't find me. <laughs> but Jesus knew right where to be to take my hand when I reached out for him. At a time in which I wanted nothing more than death, he gave me life. While I was at my lowest, he brought me to my highest. I was stumbling through the dark, and he showed me the light. He brought me out of darkness, and he'll do the same for anyone. In Matthew 16:24, the NLT, Jesus says, If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn for your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If we accept that invitation to leave it all behind, there's nothing that can't be set before us. Like I said, I was going to begin and end with a poem that I wrote. And this was, uh, this was the last one that really came together very well. On the day that I met Jesus, I knew something had to give. Through all I've tried, I broke inside. I no longer wish to live. On the day that I met Jesus, I ran out of tears to shed. No more to hide. Fear cast aside, I then turned to him instead. On the day that I met Jesus, my thoughts swirled inside my head. He set me free. How can this be? For once I am not misled. On the day that I met Jesus, I was risen from the dead. No more to roam. He brought me home. He called out to me and said, On the day that I met Andrew, I named him my own son. He didn't know how far I'd go to say it's finished. It's done. On the day that I met Andrew... The world was not yet made. No land nor sea, no bird nor tree, but a love that will not fade. On the day that I met Andrew, my plan was all in place. I knew he'd stray, then find the way and learn of amazing grace. On the day that I met Andrew, I knew just where to be, to take his hand and help him stand on the day that he met me. Well, that was uh, pretty good, huh, folks? Yeah, that was a powerful um, story. Yeah, that was a powerful testimony from someone in the program of Celebrate Recovery. And uh, Andrew had a similar story to, you know, a lot of us out here. And, um, you know, one of the things that we, we were, you know, talking about, well, first before I do anything, was it was it any point in that that you wanted to touch on? Well, uh, yeah, uh, his story I can relate to to his story not not specifically not to all the specifics because we all of our specifics are, are different of course but the problem is basically the same you know we're out of control and you know and we're lost but I can relate as far as him saying that you know. Um, God is always there for us, you know. Uh, even when we get into a position where, where we, you know, where we find ourselves with um, with all this freedom, to you know, and what happens is, you know, oftentimes we start make making uh, uh, 
wrong decisions, you know, with all this uh, all this freedom we have. You know, we we make uh, wrong choices and we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. But that God is always there for for us, and that you know, sometimes we go almost a lifetime knowing that fact, but we still <clears throat> decide to try to do things our way, and and then all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, you you sort of come to um, a, a meeting. You know, you, you he you know he said he meet he. he uh, he met Jesus, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and that power, it becomes real in your life, you know, and you accept it, and then it begins to work for you. So um, so I could definitely relate to that because, that, you know, that's sort of like my story, you know. I knew God was always there for me, but but I was always, but I, but I just had, you know, when I got grown and got on my own, you know, and I had all this time, I had all this freedom, I had all this money, you know, and I made the wrong decisions. But I knew God was always there, but just one. But 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 I can remember the time when God, you know, when I decided that I was going to allow God to um to op to operate. I was going to allow the power to operate in my life fully, and I, and I thank God that I came to that um, revelation, and uh, you know, it's working for me today. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and I and like I can say I I I can relate to that as well, and you know. One of the things that he said that kind of stuck out to me was about rock bottom. And, um, you know, the, the idea, the idea of rock bottom, the idea of rock bottom, a lot of times people think that it's, you know, you just hit it and, you know, and then people come out of, you know, come out of the addiction after they hit it. But what he was saying is that what he found is that, and what a lot of us find is that rock bottom is not just a a a a pit, a, the bottom of a pit. You know, he was saying that at the bottom of that pit is an entire, almost sub civilization. You know, where people have actually settled down and build houses and they live at rock bottom. You know, and um, they 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 become uh, accustomed to and and they make themselves at home in misery. And um, you know, one of the things that I want to say about that is that you know this is true. You know, for for a lot of us, you know, like he said, we we made ourselves at home in misery all the while desiring you know, to come out of that darkness but having no power to do so, you know. So if somebody out there listening today, you know, or who will listen to this at some point in their journey, who has made their home in Rock Bottom, you know, in that city called Rock Bottom because there are a lot of people there, you know, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you know the saying, misery loves company. For you, you may be ready to leave that place, but there may be others who are not. They have not gotten to the point where the pain has got great enough in their lives for them to leave that place. So for you, though, who are listening today, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, you do not have to stay there, you know, um, 
And that's that's the hope that we're trying to bring to people today. You know, we're trying to let people know that, you know, it's the 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 addiction will try to make you believe that you have to stay there. There is no other option. You you're going to live there for the rest of your life or and die there. You know? And you know, we wanna share with you today that there is hope. There is a new life. You know, that's what we were talking about. There is a new life in recovery for you, a new life of freedom, a new life free of the bondage that we talk about so often about being caught up in the grips of addiction. And, um, you know, and, but one of the things is that we were, we stopped at last week was the I insanity because to begin, you know, when we begin to uh, start getting into the solution, we come out of the insanity or the insane uh, behavior. The insane behavior is, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stay where I'm at. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that's what I'm. That's, you know, that's what I'm used to doing. That's, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think I can come out of here. But that's, you know, but at the same time, you want to be, you want you want something different, you know, there's a desire in you that wants something different, but you keep doing the same thing. You know, we've, we've all been there before you get to, you know, the process and get into the solution. We've all been there. We've all been to the point to where we want to come out, but we stay, you know, and people come and they try to reach out their hands and say, come on with me. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm trying to get you out of this situation, and we, you know, and I know for me there were times where I, you know, my father came and others came. You know, the times where I wasn't hiding from them and avoiding them when they did kind of corner me and get me, you know, hey man, you know, I'm just checking in, and making sure you, you know, you had you had. Basically, they were they were they what I kind of feel like they were doing was checking in to see if I had had enough of the pain and misery. They were checking in to see if I had, if, if they had beat me down to the point where I was like, man, I, I give up. I, I don't want no more of this. This, this thing that beat me down. Can you, can you, yeah, I was waiting for you to come. Get me up out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and many times when they did that, I would, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to say, yes, take me away. But my mouth said, no, I'm going to stay here. And, you know, for those who are in that situation now, I want to tell you that that's the, that's the insanity of the disease. It it will have us in some way to lie to ourselves and say it's not as bad. It's not as bad as you making it out to be. You know what I mean? It's not that serious. You know, it's not that serious. You know, and so what it does is it gets us to lie to ourselves. We're not lying to anybody else. That's the and the, the eye of the eye of the sanity of sanity is integrity, and one of the ways to get into the solution is to begin to to get into telling the truth. You know, it says that a, a lie is a resu- is a result of weak of weakness and fear. Truth fears nothing, nothing but concealment. The truth often hurts, but it's a lie that leaves scars. You know. You want to say something about that? Oh yeah. Um, like I always say, um, 
this um this this addiction you you know you were talking about um rock bottom that really caught my attention as well because this addiction will will talk to you and make it comfortable for you to stay in rock bottom, you know, forever, actually. You know, um, uh, it will tell you things uh, to the fact that, you know, that that you're not that bad, really. You know, you're okay. You know, you, you, know, you can make it through this, and you, know, you can live through this. You, you, can, you, know, you can live this way, and everything is going to be all right. It'll it, it'll definitely tell a lie. It it'll, it will definitely lie to you, but you definitely but you have to come to a point where you have to be have to honestly look at yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and say I am a mess. The things, the choices I have I you know I have made, you know, have created an absolute mess. And you just got to get honest with yourself and say, you know, I can do better. I can do better. And I don't want to live like this anymore. And, and, and I can guarantee you tonight, folks, that once you, once you really get honest with yourself, you know, uh, because, see, because, see, God, look, once you get honest, well, see, God is always, God, God, God is nothing but honesty and truth and, and integrity and all of that stuff, you know. So, but but he's just waiting for us to get clean and honest with ourselves. So you know, uh, uh, he can you know you know he can instill that uh, that his honesty and his his integrity in us. You know, and you know we can make it, and we can make it out of rock bottom, and and we can begin to come out, and we can live you know live good lives. And I and I said this last week. You know, it's not gonna always be that you're on the top of the mountain. Tell you what, folks. You know, every day is a good day, you know, that you can hold your head up high and know that you have made, uh, that you have, you know, you make mistakes, but you know that, that you are, you know, that you're somewhat sane, that, that the choices that you make are somewhat sane. You know what I mean? Uh, does that make any sense, B? Lord? It does. It does. It does, and 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 I want to piggyback on that and go into. Sure. I'm gonna say one thing on the integrity part, and then we're gonna go into the T of sanity, okay. which stands for trust. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> and yeah. So, but wow. what I want to say is that we don't lie. We think we're fooling other people when we're cycle of denial and that insanity because the, the 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 addiction actually causes us to be under the illusion that others don't know like we know but what is actually happening is we don't know you know what others can already see and we begin to lie to ourselves. You know, like I said, <clears throat> one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that we don't need help. We don't need your help. I don't need his help or her help. And and and, and, and in essence, we also are saying, I don't need God's help. And this is the insanity of addiction is that we need help. 
because without it, we are doomed to continue in that vicious cycle. So what the addiction does, it makes us believe a lie. And until we can get honest with ourselves, we can't even begin the process of coming out of rock bottom, you know. And many other people who are in rock bottom, in that community of rock bottom, they have all they all believe the same lie. We are okay. We don't need help. If you start talking that I need to get some help talk, everybody all of a sudden is going to look at you like you're crazy. Trust me, I know. And they're going to say, man, you don't need no help. What are you talking about? You know? Girl, you all right. You know? And, you know, so, but for you, what you have to do, the one who's listening today, what you have to do is get honest with yourself. Like they say, to thy own self be true. You know, because many people have not made it out because they believed that they believed that lie. They believed that lie. So another thing that we're going to do, <clears throat> we, we want to do is to get into sane behavior. We're talking about getting into the solution. Okay. We're talking about the solutions today. Okay, we talked about integrity. Now we're going to talk about trust. The T in sanity stands for trust. Letting go and letting God. Okay? As we work principle that we've been talking about of uh, trusting trusting God, you know, coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. That's what we're talking about. Trusting, letting go and letting God. You know, we begin to trust in our relationships with others and our higher power. These are not the mere acquaintances and the fair weather friends we knew while we were in active addiction and our and and doing our uh, compulsive behavior. Okay, so we're talking about beginning to let go and let God do what He wants to do. In our lives, just like Andrew said, you know, he was there. He was there the whole time, and he was doing things for Andrew, trying to help him through his journey, being there and helping him out, you know. And when Andrew reached out, God was there for him, you know. And so, what we want to do is we want to get out of that mode. Of, you know, I don't trust. I don't trust that. I don't trust this. But the crazy thing is, we will go to score or cop or you know get a bag of this, get a bag of loud, get a bag of this, get a bag of dope, get a bag, you know, get you know, uh, get a package of that, you know, get a bottle of this, you know, from from whoever. We give them the money, you know, and guess what we do? We, we crack it open, we crack it open and smoke it up. You know, we're not like, oh man, I don't trust that dude, man. You know, I don't, 
he looked kind of shady, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I don't know if I could trust him, you know. I never did that. I never did that, you know. When I was in active addiction, I wasn't, you know, uh, uh, looking people up and down, trying to figure out if, if they were trustworthy. I went and bought what I got to get and, and came home, rolled it up, lit it up, and smoked it. But now what happens is when people start getting ready to get out of, you know, the problem and getting into the solution, we start getting real smart, you know, and we start saying, well, I don't know if I could trust God because when people start getting real philosophical, theological, you know, and begin to say, well, you know, I don't know if I could trust God because, you know, how could God let that thing happen over there in Texas? You know, why does God let, you know, bad things happen to good people? I don't know if I could trust a guy like that, you know. And so what happens is we talk ourselves out of trusting God. You know, the the, the very power that's great enough to help us out of our situation. You got something on that? Um, yes, I do. Because trust, <laughs> trust is a powerful thing. We trust what we know. And, you know, and, and what I have to say tonight is that, trust me, what I know works. Um, you know, you can try for yourself, and then you can see that it works. That might sound kind of corny or stupid or whatever, but, but, but trust me on this, as mine would say, it works. Uh, and 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 uh, you know, I used to often I, I say this over and over again. I used to often often um, wonder, you know, if I could actually live, you know, sober. I I I just couldn't trust myself living sober without having, you know, something without having an edge, a drink or a drug or or some type of crazy behavior or something, you know. I couldn't trust myself to be ordinary. But, you know, this power that I that I, that we're talking about that that we're alluding to tonight, it works. You know, it it can it it it'll it'll build it'll build build up uh the trust that uh, that, that other people have you know, having you, you know, you can trust yourself. You can trust yourself with your money. You can, it'll, you know, it'll build up. You can have trust, trust yourself with your time. You see what I'm saying? Because a lot of times I couldn't trust myself. You know, when you're out there in active, man, you can, when you're out there in active addiction or whatever, you know, you, you it, time, time, time is a, time is a terrible thing. For you know, on an addict's hand, and you and you couple that with money, time and money, you know what I mean, and people. You can trust yourself around people. So yeah, um, you mentioned the word trust. I mean, that's a that's a pretty powerful thing. And 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 and, and I'll say this and I'll close with it. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, just give yourself a chance to. To, to try to, to try to um, 
open up to what we're what we're trying to say tonight. You know, um, again, you know, I'm not a radio personality. You know, uh, I'm not a um, TV person or anything like that. You know, I'm coming from the real, but I but I am telling you what I know, and I'm I I am talking to you about what what works. It works for me, and I know it works for you. And I wanna I wanna agree with that and and say as well that we are sharing our experience, strength, and hope. You know, this is something that has worked for us, has worked for countless others, and we even had a you know a testimony of somebody uh, who this worked for. And I think you know I might do that each show to have some type of testimony from somebody who has actually uh, benefited from the celebrate recovery model and um you know because it works you know and the last part of sanity is the why and and that stands for your higher power and like my father was just talking about you know um uh, tapping into that power that's greater than us and um uh, for for your for your higher power the the this this says um Jesus Christ loves you we we're still sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5 and 8. No matter what comes your way, together you and God can handle it, okay? So we go from, you know, when we begin to walk in that trust or begin to take a step in trust towards the solution, which is like we were talking about, letting go and letting God because we are getting honest with ourselves, Okay? We're getting honest with ourselves. We're saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. This is crazy, man. You know, it's kind of like the prodigal son. You know, I think about that, that moment in the in the scriptures where the prodigal son was down in the pig pen. He was, in, he was living in rock bottom. Get this now. He was living in rock bottom. He was eating what the pigs were eating. And he came, and the Bible says, he came to himself. Is that what it said? Is that what it said, Fox? Yeah. What did it say? What did it say? He came to himself. He came to himself, okay? Yeah. He He came to himself, okay? I imagine him saying to himself, is you crazy? Uh, is, is you crazy? You know, even the servants at my father's house are eating better than this. You know? And sometimes you have to get that honest with yourself and say, look at where I'm at. Look at how long I have stayed here. Is this crazy? Isn't this 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 is crazy? I've got to get up and take a step toward getting out of this situation. And so we're talking about we begin to to trust and let go and let God. Okay? And we talk about getting into this new life. Because there is hope, there is freedom, there is freedom from this bondage, and 
we, you know, not telling you something that we read, you know, I could, you know, both of us could talk at length on different ends of the spectrum of different things, you know, you know, we, you know, both of us, you know, you know, we, we, we have learning in different areas. We could talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I could oh, talk yeah. about different things on, on addiction and as well as theology, just as my father could, who was a doctor, you know, in, 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 in theology, you know what I'm saying? And, and so we could, I mean, we could, we could go in on a lot of different things, but what we want to tell you today is, you know, that God is able, you know what I'm saying? And that you don't have to stay stuck. It's insane to continue in this, uh, in this way, you know, we, we did this. We, we know, we, we're telling you what we know. We, we came to ourselves and said, this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to trust. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to trust that a power greater than me can help me out of this because I can't do it. I'm I'm fi- I'm finished lying to myself that I can do this on my own, that I don't need no help from nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't need God, you know, uh and 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 I'm going to be all right. You know, we we came to a, to a place in our in our journey where that was crazy talk, and we and we finally came to ourselves and said that's crazy talk, insanity, and we stopped lying to ourselves, and we and we and we reached out for help, and so today what I want to say to you who are listening today is that don't listen to that crazy talk. Mm-hmm. That's that's the addiction telling you that you're okay eating what the pigs eat. Right. You know, you're okay at, at rock bottom. Did you have anything else you want to say before we close? I just want to say that there's 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 hope out here. There's help out here that will enable us to live better. You know, because after all is said and done, no matter what your no matter what your drug of choice is, our problem is a living problem, you know. So we have to come, you know, we have to uh, face life on life's terms each and every day without with, without a boost, without a drug or whatever, you know. I just want to let you know that there is a power out here that will help us, that will give us that will give us that boost. That will give us that crutch to lean on, and uh, you know, and it won't give you a hangover. Trust me, it will not give you a hangover. That's right. And so, with that being said, I want to ask you all to join us again next week at the same time. And we thank you all for tuning in to the Recovery Just for Today show, powered by Win Radio. And we want to say God bless you. And um, you know, there is hope. We do recover. And good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.